Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Good morning, Europe, and good night, USA. This is Megan Cohen with Promenade Media Group, and I am back with your Europe briefing for the week of Friday, June 11th. I took a little hiatus in the past month or so, but we are back and ready to provide you weekly news and weekly briefings. To start off the episode of today and break the hiatus, I'm going to start with quickly saying that Italy's Moniskin won Eurovision this year, and not to brag, but the bassist of the band once followed me on Instagram before my account was hacked. They are a fantastic band, though, and I'm so glad that they went viral and won Eurovision. And continuing with news out of Italy, one of Italy's most notorious mafia bosses, Giovanni Brusca of Cosa Nostra, was released June 1st after serving 25 years of a, of a life sentence. Sorry, He is reportedly admitted to a role in over 150 killings as the right-hand man of Salvatore Reno, and Italian law actually allows early release for mafiosi who break the omerta, or rule of being silent regarding mafia information. Brusca will now serve under a monitored witness protection program and four years of supervision. Econ news now, as the Eurozone finally reopens after the lengthy pandemic, inflation has climbed to the highest point since 2018 at around 2%, despite core inflation remaining constant. The ECB has stressed that these changes are not permanent and only part of transitioning back to normalcy. Well, we'll have another update on June 10th, so we will see if that theory holds. Next, wildfires in Norway saw more than 500 people evacuated on the Norwegian island of Sotra. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Police are investigating the cause of the fire, and I actually could not get an update on the current status, but it does seem that the fire is more or less under control now. Next, the UK announced the first trade deals since Brexit with Norway, Iceland, and Liechtenstein. These deals will reduce tariffs with the three countries and allow for the ease of trade in specialized commodities, especially like cheese and fish. Continuing with the Northern Europe trend, the Danish parliament actually approved the creation of an artificial island off of Copenhagen called the Netholm on Monday, which will be made and meant to house 35,000 people and protect the city's harbor from the effects of global warming through rising sea levels and more frequent storms. The island is expected to be completed in the next 30 to 50 years. And moving down to Central Europe, protests erupted in Budapest, Hungary, over the plan to establish China's first university in Europe. Despite Orban's approval of the plans in April, about two-thirds of the Hungarian people are opposed, according to a Hungarian think tank, and took to the streets to express their discontentment over what many are calling a Trojan horse. China, of course, defended the plan, but Orban actually appears to be actually swayed, or at least slightly, by the protests and said that the university was still only in planning phases and even hinted at a referendum. Budapest mayor went as far as renaming streets the Dalai Lama Road, Uyghur Martyrs Road, and Free Hong Kong Road in order to express solidarity against the Chinese incursion. Now, this story was not part of the past week, but definitely deserves to be discussed since it was super consequential for the region and we were on hiatus when it occurred. I'm sure all of you by now have heard about Belarus forcing a Ryanair flight with a dissident on board to land by sending a literal fighter pilot to intercept it, citing a bomb threat as the reason. 
Best part, the flight wasn't even to or from Belarus. It was actually Athens to Vilnius, Lithuania flight that flew over Belarusian airspace. Now, the dissident in question, Roman Protasevich, is one of the co-founders founders, sorry, of the anti-regime Nexta Telegram channel, which organized numerous protests and spread information about the regime's maldoings. If convicted of charges of organizing protests and terrorism, Protasevich could serve up to 12 years in prison. Many EU leaders have criticized Lukashenko's move, and the EU went as far as banning flights from entering Belarusian airspace, working, by the way, much faster than its response to Belarus's illegitimate election, for which sanctions are finally set to be approved for later this month. Roman Protasevich appeared on state television later that day, where he actually confessed to organizing opposition protests while in tears. His family says that the confession was forced, which, by the way, marks on his wrist that are visible seem to corroborate. Anyone else getting major Hunger Games vibes here, or is that just me? Belarus also temporarily banned most citizens from foreign travel due to COVID shortly after the Ryanair debacle. And continuing with Belarus, the country also toughened laws against protesters with a new law that increases sanctions and penalties for citizens who take part in unauthorized rallies and those put on the, quote, extremism list. One more kind of Belarus story. I can't fully say what happened with this one, but I get a lot of my Belarus news from a site called Belarus Feed, and when I tried to check this week, it was actually taken down. I got an error code with access denied when I tried to go, but this could also easily be because the owners of the site wanted to temporarily take it down in order to better conceal their identities. So I do not know, but I hope that site comes back. I wish all of them the best. Um, it's been a fantastic resource for me over the past almost year now with Promenade. Flipping to more positive news here, here are some COVID updates from the EU. France extended the COVID vaccine to the 12 through 18 age range, while the UK hit a major milestone with 75% of adults vaccinated and 95% of the 50-plus age range. Many countries, including tourist hotspots Greece, Spain, and Italy, have reopened to tourists from the EU, UK, and US. I personally cannot wait to go back and will be booking flights very, very shortly. And speaking of reopening, nature is returning, or whatever the meme goes— as the first cruise ship since the pandemic broke out arrived in Venice on Thursday, June 3rd, but was met not by the classic gondoliers, but by environmental protesters rallying against cruise ships' effects on the gorgeous Italian city. Rival demonstrations also broke out in support of the crucial tourism industry. Denmark passed a law regarding asylum in the past week, allowing them to relocate migrants whose cases are pending to outside the EU while their cases are being determined. This move was met with heavy criticism from many EU states and leaders, and the migrants who do then receive approval will only be granted protection in the third-party country hosting them, but will not be automatically transferred to Denmark. And those whose cases are rejected will have to leave not only the EU, but also the third-party country. Moldova has launched an all-new anti-corruption body, saying that the old ones were too slow and not efficient enough. Partially funded by the EU and the United States, this committee will be investigating corruption within the financial sector. Considering Moldova currently ranks 115 out of 180 countries in the Transparency International 2020 Corruption Perception Index, this might be a good move. Okay, this one's an awesome story. A woman named Ursula Martin walked from Ukraine to Wales over a period of nearly three years and 5,000 miles in order to raise awareness for ovarian cancer, which she was diagnosed with 10 years ago. Native to Wales, she was on the move when the pandemic broke out and had to begin wearing a mask in Spain. 
If you want to learn more about her story, she does have a book out on Amazon called One Woman Walks Wales. And as NATO forces prepare to make a final withdrawal from Afghanistan this summer, Germany has solved its most pressing issue, where the beer will go. They will be shipping 22,500 liters of the leftover alcohol in Afghanistan for their troops originally back from the country through a civilian contractor. Next, there have been tensions lately over the state of Northern Ireland after Brexit, with even President Biden expressing concerns over the Northern Ireland Protocol, a deal that establishes that goods entering the Republic of Ireland will first be inspected in one of the Northern Irish ports or at designated checkpoints in Northern Ireland. Some goods will not even be permitted to enter the country. Both sides originally agreed that protecting the Good Friday Agreement and the delicate peace in Northern Ireland should be the main priority of the negotiations, but many, including the American president, believe that this new deal puts that in jeopardy. In fact, there have already been issues with the checkpoints to an extent, as they were actually suspended in early February due to security threats to the border staff. The last surviving known liberator of Auschwitz, former Soviet soldier David Dushman, died at 98 on Saturday, June 5th. As a soldier of Jewish descent as well, he was one of only 69 men in an originally 12,000-strong regiment to survive the war and part of a dwindling population of people who witnessed Auschwitz with their own eyes. After the war and the Holocaust, he continued on to be an Olympic fencing coach who trained medal-winning activists for Russia. Former Bosnian Serb general and current convicted war criminal Ratko Madik lost an appeal against genocide charges in The Hague. He will now continue his life sentence with no hope of appeal. President Macron in France was slapped in the face this week by a member of the crowd who shouted down with Macronia in French. Two were arrested after the slap. Some sports news, kind of. Sorry to my brother Vince for stepping on his toes. He runs the sports briefings here at Promenade, and if you are interested in sports news, Go check them out. Shameless plug. Russia drew some backlash this week, but okay, when does it not though, right? For sending a complaint to UEFA over a map on Ukraine's 2020 football jerseys. And yes, I know it's 2021, but this is the UEFA 2020 tournament to make up for lost time, including a Russian annex Crimea on the Ukrainian map, which Russia deems to be political. While UEFA has already approved Ukraine's jersey, to Russia's credit, it is certainly political. Zelensky and other Ukrainian government officials have already noted the uniqueness of the jersey, which includes official military greeting slogans such as Glory to Ukraine and Glory to Heroes, because it will rally the Ukrainian people and has a shock factor. Russia, meanwhile, criticized the slogan for not only being nationalistic, but also akin to a Nazi rallying cry. Would love to hear what you guys think on this one. Email us, DM us on Instagram at Promenade Media, give us a follow, give us some comments. But it is also notable that the slogans are not visible on the actual jersey and are instead sewn into the shirt collar. And Poland's Woj region... I am totally going to ruin all of these names. I'm so sorry. Um, also, it is notable that my family comes from that region, and I still can't pronounce it. I think it's Woj because I literally just looked it up on Wikipedia, but that's the only reason why. Anyways, that region revealed plans to close the areas. Another word that I'm going to ruin, Belhortov Power Plant which is the most polluting power plant in Europe on Tuesday. The local government, with help from the EU Just Transition Fund, which aids transitioning from coal dependency to climate-neutral technology, plans to completely stop the plant by 2036. Next, EU and USA multilateralism is back. President Biden is currently in Europe on his first foreign presidential tour. 
He is in Britain this weekend for the G7 summit, which I will talk about later, and meetings with Boris Johnson and the royal family. Then we'll fly to NATO, and then we'll finally meet with President Putin in Geneva. President Zelensky of Ukraine was invited to the White House for talks prior, even though he is not part of this tour. Funny side note, um, it is not Europe news, but as someone who was just on the East Coast and survived all these disgusting bugs, a press plane was set to accompany President Biden to Europe, but unfortunately didn't make it on the journey because its engines were actually filled with cicadas. Yes, the Brood X every 17-year cycle cicadas that are literally plaguing the East Coast right now forced a delay and then a complete plane and pilot swap. Buckingham Palace has announced that Queen Elizabeth will meet with the president on Sunday. And speaking of the queen, it might be worth noting some personal stuff here. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle had their second child this week. At least I think it was this week. Not too big on the royal family here. Another personal life note from Britain, though. Prime Minister Boris Johnson got married. Okay, no more personal stuff now. I'm sure that the next story will be very, very high up on the agenda when Presidents Biden and Putin meet in Geneva. In Russia, ex-U.S. Marine Trevor Reed is currently being held without access to the consulate or to contact with his family. He has COVID-19 right now and is hospitalized, and Reed is currently in the middle of a nine-year sentence in the country after being charged with assaulting two police officers. We know that Secretary Blinken has discussed the matter with Russian colleagues, but we don't know where that has gone since. Next, a Bulgarian MiG-29 crashed into the Black Sea on Wednesday during military exercises and the plane's pilot is unfortunately missing. While the reasons for the crash are unknown, two other MiG-29 jets have crashed historically back in 1994 and in 2012. Bulgaria wants to replace its Soviet fleet and has wanted to for a while now and actually has eight F-16s from the U.S. arriving starting in 2023. Search and rescue for the pilot is ongoing. And speaking of a rescue mission, Armenian Prime Minister Pashinyan made a shocking statement on Tuesday when he, over video with his son by his side, stated that he was prepared to offer his own son in exchange for the estimated 140 Armenian prisoners of war still in Azerbaijan following the Nagorno-Karabakh war last year. Don't worry too much, though, his son took to Facebook shortly after to signal support for the proposal. Now, this was actually in response to a political rival, but not to Azerbaijan. And in fact, there is no indication that Azerbaijan would participate and all likelihood points to no. But an even stranger story with Armenia, the EU is giving the country 3 million euros to stop calling its brandy alcohol cognac over the next quarter century. The reasoning behind this, there is an alcohol in France with the exact same name, and apparently the Europeans can't tell the difference. Champagne is also a name that Armenia will have to change due to the French variation. All right, guys, my new goal in life, I don't know about yours, is to move to the EU, but not to France, start an alcohol company with the exact same name as a French liquor, and then wait for the EU to bail me out with 3 million euros to change the name. Moving back up north, the Russian Northern Fleet launched drills in the Barents Sea in the Arctic this week to practice defending its icy borders. This challenges the wider Arctic Challenge Exercise 2021, which is hosted by Sweden, Finland, and Norway, and hosts participants including the U.S., U.K., Germany, and Denmark. On Tuesday, Russian YouTuber Yuri Hovansky was arrested and detained overnight on terrorism charges. The investigation targets Hovansky's performance of a song about the 2002 Moscow theater hostage crisis, 
when terrorists stormed the theater and demanded that Russia withdraw from Chechnya. The tragedy resulted in the deaths of 130 hostages, the majority of whom actually died in the hospital afterwards. Many accredit these deaths not to the terrorists, but to the security forces, Russian security forces, who mishandled the situation. Hovansky performed this song on his channel in 2020 and is now facing the consequences. And finalement, the G7 is underway in Cornwall, Britain. On day one, which was today, the G7 nations discussed pandemic recovery, framing the renewed multilateralism as akin to the post-World War II partnership between Europe and the United States. They reportedly are pledging 1 billion vaccine doses, half provided by America, to the rest of the world. A family photo taken reaffirms the commitment to multilateralism even more, and definitely looks like a family photo in the sense that it is totally awkward and looks like no one actually wants to be at the little reunion. Protesters outside dressed in a giant Pikachu costume, or multiple of them, and giant blackbirds. Extra points for creativity, minus points because I have no idea what their point was. All jokes aside, though, I'm sure that all of the leaders are extremely excited to be there, especially since the Europe-United States partnership has not been the same over the past four years. This was actually Macron's first time meeting Biden as president, and Merkel has already noted that she is very excited to welcome the U.S. back into the global stage and to welcome multilateralism back. All right, guys, that's it from me and from Promenade Europe for this week. Thank you so much for putting up with my little month-long hiatus there. I apologize for that, but I definitely needed after Zoom school to take some time away from electronics in general. Um, but I am back and I'm really excited to be providing you the Europe news throughout this summer. Talk to you next week. This is Megan with Promenade Europe signing off. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com.